Get ready to throw perfection out the window because you're tuned in to the Honestly Imperfect podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Penhorwood, and I'm a marketing coach and the founder of Harper Collective, where I help business owners master their PR and simplify their marketing. Each week, we'll be unlocking valuable tips to up-level your business and sharing honest conversations with entrepreneurs to uncover their stories and wisdom to inspire you to take action. Now let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome. Today, I'm chatting with Mama of Three and the author of Heavily Meditated, Caitlin Katie. We delve into ways that you can embrace a more imperfect life to live with less push and more flow, while unlocking the ways that you can press pause on that broken record of negative chatter that's keeping you feeling stuck so that you can start getting high on life too. I know that you're going to love today's episode as much as I love chatting with Caitlin. So let's dive right in. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. I am so excited to have you here and I can't wait for our chat that we're going to delve into today. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I have read your book, so I know a little bit about you, but for anyone tuning in who hasn't heard of you before, can you share with us three fun facts about you? Well, I'm a redhead. That much is probably obvious if you've seen a picture of me, but it's a very defining feature. I lived in India for four months when I was 17, which was a very unique experience. And what else? I'm a mom of three kids, seven, five, and three years old. So that contributes a lot to my life and how I show up in the, in, in this moment of life. 100%. And I would love to know, sort of taking it back a little bit, obviously you are a meditation guru, but what was your journey like before you started meditating? And I guess what inspired you to start? Well, long story short, meditation really saved me from a life sentence of chronic illness and also the misery of perfectionism. So I talk about the full story in my book, but the gist of it is that I was a perfectionistic overachiever and I was struggling with um, illnesses like chronic Lyme disease, as well as a history of depression and an eating disorder. So meditation was kind of like my last resort. And through meditation, I really learned how to slow down and be, which allowed my nervous system and in turn my immune system to reset. So I was able to go from burned out, sick and feeling fearful to happy, healthy and really living to my full potential. So that's how I found my way to meditation. Um, and, you know, it's, it changed my life so profoundly that I just wanted to help other people find their way to meditation as well. Because I think that no matter, you know, sort of what your unique challenges are that you've encountered in your life, meditation can help with that. A hundred percent. And did you find when you first started, there was some resistance that came up? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think especially as a perfectionist, it's like, there's a reason that most perfectionists don't like to try meditating. You know, I think that for me, I was really afraid of meditation because of what it represented. You know, it sounds ridiculous, but 
on a fundamental level, I was really petrified of sort of taking my foot off the gas and letting go. I was afraid that if I slowed down that like my life would fall to pieces because I was so attached to the way that I was achieving in the world and the being in control that I felt like if I slow down, I'm never going to reach my full potential. And meditation really symbolized this idea of relaxing and letting go. So it symbolized a loss of control and all of the like things that would fall apart if I did that. And, you know, the irony is that I think the resistance to meditation, you know, on the other side of that resistance really was my full potential. And, and what is my full potential that continues to unfold, right? It's not a destination. But my mind threw up every reason you could think of about why I couldn't and why I shouldn't meditate. So, you know, I always say that, you know, resistance tells you that it's keeping you safe, but it's really keeping you small. And that anytime that you see resistance, it's not a stop sign, it's a go sign. And it's this, you know, it's like, you're onto something. If you're resisting it, you're onto it and walk through that fire. And on the other side is, is your full potential because it takes a lot of courage to do that you know, resistance is always the thing that's standing in between you and your growth and your expansion and sort of the actualization of your full potential. I love that. And I think as well, like so many of us who run businesses are really scared to take our foot off the brake and to slow down because it's like, what if the whole business falls apart? Like, and it's, I guess it's that loss of certainty and control that we think we have in life when really we don't. So I love that as well. And I really love a chapter in your book, which is where you say, it's not you, it's your thoughts. And I know that so many of us can get stuck in identifying with our thoughts and letting them totally run the show. And I'd love to know, why do you think we do this? Oh, well, we spend a lot of time in our heads, don't we? You know, like we spend so much QT with our thoughts that it's really easy to feel like they're in charge and that, you know, what they're telling you is a fact. We often refer to this as the trance of thinking. It's like we get sort of tricked into believing that all of our thoughts are are true. And then we begin to identify with them. So we don't see our thoughts as being distinct from ourselves. You know, it's really tricky. It's it's a tricky place to go. Um, there's a, this great analogy that I love. It's based on a quote from uh, a Buddhist nun called Pema Chodron. And she says, you are the sky, everything else is just the weather. And, you know, that is a it's a metaphor I really like to work with, especially in meditation, is that like what we're cultivating is a sky-like mind and that when thoughts come through, you know, see them as a cloud passing through and that you're the sky, not the cloud and you're the sky, not the weather. And so as whether it's thoughts coming through meditation or challenges and circumstances in our lives, remembering that you aren't the challenge, you aren't the thought, you are that which is experiencing the thought or that which is experiencing the challenge. And you know, that can sound a little bit esoteric, but it's, it's actually a very simple concept when you break it down that way and go, oh, right. Okay. So when I'm experiencing something challenging or when I'm experiencing a thought that's maybe negative or fear-based, if I can remember that that is, it's, it's changing and it's moving through me, it's not of me, you know, it's, there's a lot of freedom in that. There's a lot of freedom in that because when we can recognize that space, we can also choose how we respond to it. I love that as well, sort of 
picturing our thoughts as just weather moving through and realizing that it's all going to pass and it's kind of up to us what we choose to attach to and just getting a bit of space between us and our thoughts, which I guess meditation is so helpful for. But I think even just practicing that in the everyday is so helpful as well. And I know you said in your book, which I thought was really great, is that repetitive and negative thoughts are often like they take up a huge amount of space in our minds. And I'd love to know what we can do when we feel like we're on a bit of a never ending loop of just negative mental chatter. Like how can we sort of get ourselves out of that? Meditate. (laughs) Um, Really, truly, because, you know, in meditation, we're, we're practicing bringing our attention back. Right. And so we're, we're remembering that we're the sky, not the weather. And then we're able to sort of apply this to our lives and create a different perspective and, you know, really embrace the space between thoughts and the space between us and our thoughts. So I think that, you know, meditation is like, it's like mental hygiene, right? So you, you sit there and you actually notice, wow, I think a lot and what's the nature of my thoughts. And I think even setting a timer for a minute and counting your thoughts and then reflecting on how many thoughts did you have and really like, what was the tone? Like, were, was it Debbie Downer? You know, is it is it negative Nancy or is it like a cheerleader vibe? Because for most of us, you know, the mind is really designed to be vigilant. It's designed to look for what's wrong. And that's helpful in terms of survival, right? But most of us don't need to be as hypervigilant as we are. And, you know, it has a lot to do with sort of the, the age that we're living in and the technology that we're interacting with and that kind of thing that's really driving the hypervigilance. So I think it's more important than ever to pay attention to, um, to your activity and to the, the nature of your thoughts and sort of like what you're feeding them with. Um, and so, yeah, meditation, I think it's an, it's incredibly powerful to sit still and not, you know, I think there's this myth that you have to stop thinking to meditate. So let me relieve you of that. If that is a myth that you have come to this conversation with or anyone who's listening has come to this conversation with, you know, it's the the purpose of meditation. If we want to break it down, you know, there's many higher aims of meditation, but in a really basic definition, most meditators would agree that in a nutshell, meditation is the practice of concentrating your attention on a point of focus. So I love this analogy from Sally Kempton where she calls it a meditation sit-up. So it's like you're just bringing your attention back to the focal point of the meditation. So that could be like, you know, breath, sensation, sound, and so on. So you're just doing sit-ups and you're just doing these reps. And in doing that, you start to notice how often your mind wanders. And in time, you will have these spaces in between, right? Like the spaces in, in between the clouds, it will be vaster and vaster. So it really, the, the work that we're doing on the mat is really training for life, you know, off of the mat or off of the cushion. So I think that, you know, noticing is great. And then just practicing bringing your attention back to presence or to the focal point is, it's incredibly powerful. I was just saying to someone, I was doing a one-on-one session with someone and I was saying, you know, it's so fascinating how much energy we spend, how much mental energy we spend feeding sort of negative thoughts, negative beliefs. And if you relieve yourself of that, 
which is, you know, part of what we're doing in meditation is like creating, opening that up and creating a little bit more awareness about what we're thinking, whether it's useful. You know, imagine all the energy that you spend like worrying and fretting about things. Imagine if you could redirect that energy into just moving forward. It's pretty powerful. Like when you think about, you know, noticing how much time and energy you're applying towards worrying about what you don't want to have happen. Imagine just if you could redirect even like half of that towards a positive, directing your energy towards a positive outcome. And I feel like as well, when we are sort of on that loop, often we just attract more of that. Whereas I know whenever I get more positive, all of a sudden I start attracting the things that I genuinely want instead of the things that I'm like fretting about or staying in my head about. So I think it's such a beautiful practice. And I love as well how you called yourself a recovering perfectionist, which obviously this podcast is called Honestly Imperfect. So we're all about embracing imperfection and just being real because no one is perfect. I'd love to know what was that journey like going from being in a bit of a perfectionist mindset to just letting go and embracing more imperfection into your life? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I touched on that a little bit in terms of just why, you know, how meditation really symbolized that sort of letting go of perfectionism. And also like when you think about meditation as a practice itself, you can't do it if you're a perfectionist, you know, like it's not a perfect thing. And in committing to a daily meditation practice, you're committing to a daily dose of imperfection because you have to show up no matter if the house is dirty or your laundry is sitting there in a pile or your kids are screaming or your flatmates playing the guitar, like you, you commit to showing up no matter what, A. And then B, you commit to showing up even if, you know, your meditation practice feels wonky or frustrating or like you're like, oh, I'm not, not levitating and I'm not feeling like crystals and rainbows. That in and of itself is a practice in imperfection because you're showing up and accepting that every day will be different. And some days your meditation will be amazing and feel like magical. And then other days it will just be, you know, frustrating. And you'll be like, wow, is this even working? And I think for me, this idea of, you know, done is better than perfect. That's my motto with meditation and with actually most things in life. And I think that meditation showing up and going, all right, I'm doing this thing, even if it feels imperfect, even if it feels pointless in the moment, even if my mind is wandering, showing up and doing that every day, it's like a muscle that you're building of like a tolerance for imperfection, if that makes sense. And that translates, you know, again, like off of, off of the cushion and into your life. And I think for me, you know, I love that quote from Elizabeth Gilbert, that perfectionism is just fear and fancy shoes and a mink coat. Um, because I think that's true. So many of us call ourselves perfectionists, like it's a badge of honor and like it's something we should all be proud of. But underneath all of that is really this fear of not being good enough. That's how it felt to me. It was like, it was a fear of failure, which was a fear of not being good enough. And I think for me, the practice of showing up and doing something imperfectly every single day has given me, like I said, that muscle and that tolerance for recognizing that showing up and doing something imperfectly really outweighs 
this idea of, you know, of never actually getting the thing done. And, you know, I'm deeply motivated, I guess, to just show up and do what I can in this lifetime. And I'm just, I'm not afraid of being imperfect anymore. And I'm not afraid of not being good enough. And I think that the scarier thought for me is actually like dying with all of my potential unfulfilled and unshared and unused. So I don't want to let fear get in the way of sharing the gifts that I have to share in this life. I want to live, you know, a big, brave life. I love how you said that, you know, with meditation, you just never know what you're going to get when you show up that day. Like when I meditate, some days my mind is in like a total other planet. Another day, like I've sat there and I've just like had my dog just staring at me and wanting to play and like covering me in her toys. Like you just never know what's going to come up. But I think just showing up for yourself anyway. And I think that's also something that's really important is letting yourself be enough of a priority that you're going to show up for yourself that day is something that is a really good practice as well. Yeah. Well, and that's like a self-worth thing too, right? So it's just like, what are you prioritizing above your own self-care and why? Like ask yourself that honestly. If you're not getting to something, and especially for people who identify as perfectionists, like you're obviously good at getting shit done. So why are you not getting this shit done? Why? Because there's a reason. There's some kind of resistance there. or There's some kind of, you know, you're not valuing yourself or you don't feel like you're worthy of it or whatever it is. It's so helpful to look at that resistance honestly and try and understand like, why aren't you? Why aren't you actually getting it done? But, you know, the other thing that I think is important to keep in mind in terms of, you know, like people might be listening and going, well, if it's, if you show up and like your mind wanders and it, like it, doesn't sound that in, in inviting and like, what's the point? You know, my teacher Rod Straker says the measure of your meditation is the quality of your life. And I love that so much because that is exactly how I've experienced it is that even if I show up and I have an imperfect meditation and it doesn't feel all blissful and glorious while I'm actually doing it, I look at the quality of my life and I look at the way that I am outside of, you know, outside of the practice. And that daily meditation has had such a huge impact on my life and continues to have a huge impact on my life. So I think it's, that's another thing to kind of keep in mind is that if you do need a metric to measure it by, don't let it be your experience while you're doing it. Let it be the quality of your life. That's beautiful. Just to finish on the last question, something that I love to ask everyone that comes on, because I think it's so good when we can relate to each other and just go, Oh, I'm not the only one. Like I'm not alone in this. So I would love to know what are some imperfect actions that you've taken in your business or your life that you can look back on and you're actually really proud that you took them. Oh, I mean, everything, honestly, like everything, you know, from the tiny things that I do on a daily basis to the big things that I've accomplished, like they've all happened because I was willing to do them imperfectly. You know, writing a book, starting a blog, recording an audiobook, like being on this podcast, like every single thing I do is imperfect. And every single thing I do, I dance with the resistance and I do it anyway. And I, the way I think of it is like throwing an offering into a fire. So when it's done, I throw it into the fire and go, 
That's my offering. That's what I was able to show up with in this moment, in this day. And, you know, sure, like when you're doing something like writing a book, that takes a lot of, that takes a lot of offerings, right? Like you're you're throwing things in the fire regularly to kind of create a finished product like that. And it's not like, oh, I wrote this in a weekend and now I'm going to publish it. It's, you know, it's a devotion. There's a devotion to showing up, but in showing up every day, you really, it is imperfect. It's totally imperfect action. And it's this willingness to just throw it in the fire and it's not, and then it's not mine anymore, you know? And I think this idea that for me, you know, I feel like whatever gifts I have are just on loan from the divine for this lifetime. You know, they're not, they don't, they're not mine. And that really emboldens me because it's, you know, my job is just to show up an offer, make an offering and not to judge what I have to share or if I'm doing it perfectly. Because, you know, at a certain point, if you're withholding your gifts or your love or your joy or your voice or your opinion or your knowledge, you're really withholding that from the world. And that's, you know, it's selfish. And when I think about that, when I think about you know, being of service and of using the gifts that I was given courageously because they're not mine and I'm just, you know, a vessel. I mean, it's just gives you so much courage because it's like, what do I have to lose? You know, we have this one lifetime. I think you just have to go and give it, give it what you have. And that means being imperfect and embracing it. I love that. I feel like I just want to write that down and (laughs) stick it on my wall. (laughs) Well, I'm glad it resonates. So for anyone who's tuned in today and they're feeling like, yep, I'm ready to give it a crack. I'm ready to, as you say, get sit done. What do you wish that you knew when you first started meditating that you can share with, with them? That's why I wrote the book because <laughs> there are literally, that is why I wrote the book because I, I just found that there were so many myths to meditation and there was so much sort of misinformation about, you know, how to actually, how do I actually just start? You know, it felt so hard to find the resources that I needed, which is truly why I wrote the book. But I think some of the most helpful things that I wish I had known that you don't need an hour today, a day to get sit done that you don't need a quiet mind, you don't need to stop thinking. And this idea that we talked about that meditation isn't going to dull your shine, you know, it's going to help you shine brighter. And so this, this fear of a loss of control, like I said, it's a pathway to full potential. It's like when you surrender to that, um, there's magic on the other side. So those are some, you know, like in terms of sort of the attitude that you bring to meditation, like accepting that, you know, done is better than perfect and that you don't need a ton of time and that you don't need a quiet mind and sort of the best way, like practically speaking, just set a time and make a date to meditate. So make a date with yourself. I think that setting a specific time of day is super helpful because it eliminates sort of the, oh, should I do it now? Should I do it later? And, you know, again, there's a lot of mental energy that can go into like these daily decisions. So just do it at the same time every day. For me, my non-negotiable sit is in the morning. um, And then I usually do one in the afternoon or at bedtime, just I find it a really helpful way to wind down. But my morning is like, non-negotiable. And I just do it right when I wake up. 
And so if you could just commit to that and even for a specific period of time, so giving yourself sort of like 21 days or 30 days and saying, I'm going to do seven minutes or five minutes of meditation every day at this time, whether it's morning or after you take the kids to school or when you sit down at your desk every day, whatever, just find a time that, that you can realistically weave in and do it and see what happens. Because if you show up, you know, I always say that if, if you show up, the benefits show up. So if you show up every day for a month, I guarantee you, you will feel different. Um, and th- the biggest thing is just showing up. So find a way to show up and commit to it. And um, if you know about yourself that you're a perfectionist, you'll probably want to tick a box. So leverage that, you know, to get it, use a, use a tracker so that you can see the progress and feel like you're accomplishing something. Like we have these qualities. It's not, I'm not saying if you're a perfectionist that like you need to throw all of that out. There are some positive things that other traits that perfectionists usually come equipped with, which is, you know, like diligence and discipline and, you know, like a willingness to kind of show up and like achieve things. So leverage that and know that about yourself and go, okay, cool. Well, let me form a habit knowing that I'm really good at ticking boxes. And when you do it that way, when you approach it that way and you build a solid foundation for your practice, you'll probably reach a point where you're like, I just do it every day. I don't need to tick a box. But I know for me, like in the beginning, it was really helpful to kind of show up and go tick, 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 and see that chain be unbroken for you know a month or two months or three months. That's such a good idea. I should definitely do that. (laughs) So where can people connect with you to get all of your goodness and wisdom? Um, There's a lot of free resources on my website. So that's caitlincady.com, C-A-I-T-L-I-N-C-A-D-Y.com. And there's, um, there's a free morning ritual that you can download there. So that comes with like a PDF, a printable PDF and a day planner and a guided meditation. So it teaches you how to kind of like build meditation into a morning ritual for yourself. And that's very popular and a great sort of, if you, if you like the idea of a morning ritual, go check that out. Um, and then if you want to meditate with me, obviously the book is a really great practical resource. And then I've also created an app to complement the book because that was the other thing I really struggled with was finding guided meditations that frankly didn't suck. So I <laughs> created the app so that like you really have a complete toolkit with the book. You un- you'll understand the theory and sort of you know how to practically do it. And then with the app, it has a tracker. It has a library of guided meditations. It, you can set an intention for your day and even have a reminder notification on your phone of your intention at the time of your choice. Um, and there's also like a little inspo deck where you'll find inspiring messages to kind of um, set the tone for your day. Those are my two sort of go-to resources. If you're keen to meditate, you can check those out. The app is free to download and there's about 10 or 11 free guided meditations that you can access, anyone can access. And then if you want to unlock all of the features, there's um, monthly subscriptions and annual subscriptions and lifetime subscriptions available too. And then if you're keen for, you know, sort of group vibes, then come join the Facebook group. So it's heavily meditated book. And there is about over 600 people in the group now. And it's just such a beautiful community, people supporting each other and sharing each other on. And I do Q and A's and live guided meditations in the group as well. So it's yeah, good vibes in there. And then I'm also on Instagram, of course, which is just my name, Caitlin Katie. 
That sounds so good. I'm already like, all right, I'm going to go join a bunch of that stuff because it sounds awesome. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I know that so many people are going to get so much from our chat. So I really appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love if you could leave a review or share a screenshot to Instagram and tag at Honestly Imperfect Podcast so that I can pop on over and say hello. I can't wait to connect with you again soon.